Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us again today as we continue our series, Staying True, A Walk Through Daniel. Now, if you have your copy of God's Word, please open it up to Daniel chapter 2 as we are going to discuss the power of a praying man. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. You have God's Word. Open it up. Turn it on. We are going through the book of Daniel. So we're in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, and... Uh, we're going to continue in this series simply called Staying True. And we went through uh, last week, we started in Daniel chapter 1. And Dr. Caton just kind of set the stage for us in Daniel 1 about what was going on in Israel, what was going on specifically in the southern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Judah, and about how King Nebuchadnezzar rolled in, okay? He rolled in, he took over. Uh, the southern kingdom there uh, called the kingdom of Judah. And in that kingdom was Jerusalem. And so what he did is he came in, he took all the stuff there out of the temple. He brought it back to Babylon. And then not only did he bring that back to Babylon, but he also he went in and he went for the young men. He went for the young men, took them up. He took the best, the brightest, the, the, the best looking guys. He brought them back to Babylon and he began to indoctrinate them in the ways of the Babylonians and began to teach them. And for three years, Daniel and his friends, as we discovered, were subjected to the indoctrination of becoming like the Babylonians. And I don't know about you, but uh, there's something important about knowing and understanding and being part of the culture that you're in. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, it's good for us when you move to somewhere else, okay? You begin to learn the culture and the differences um, of those people. And that happens all over the United States even. People move to Texas, right? And you have to assimilate into the Texas culture. Y'all with me on that? Okay, you have to assimilate. In other words, you have to get a pair of cowboy boots, right? All right, you have to eat Mexican food at least, what, three times a week, right? And all God's men said, amen, all right? You have to learn to drive fast in Texas, all right? What in the world? All these people from, I mean, I love you and we're glad that you're here from California, but put your foot in the accelerator. Y'all with me on that? We are a big state. It takes a while to get from point A to point B. We got to get there, right? Okay, and that includes if you're pulling a trailer. It doesn't matter if you're pulling a trailer or not. You're still going to drive 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. Y'all with me on that? But you got to learn to assimilate, okay? You have to love the the Dallas Cowboys. Whether you love them or not, it doesn't matter. Okay, when you move to Texas, is there going to fight? Is there a fight that's going to break out? (laughs) When you move to a different spot, you have to kind of learn the culture, learn what's going on, understand kind of how people, you know, interact and and, and what's what's good and kind of what 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 might offend some some folks. But see, Daniel and his friends, when they were, were, were taken up by King Nebuchadnezzar and brought into his palace, it wasn't just like some little adjustment for them. Rather, it was complete indoctrination, complete and total change. We even read that their names are changed. Their names are changed and the meanings are changed. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that later on. But 
as, as, as John Mark talked last week uh, about some of these things, we see um, God beginning to move just in this small group right here. These, these four guys, God begins to move. God, uh, 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 you know, he changes what's going on in the situation, even though the situation is, may not be the best. God shows up and through these men, he uses them to impact those around him. We see that as they come in and they're indoctrinated into the life of a Babylonian, they're supposed to eat of the king's table. They're supposed to eat the king's food, the choice meats, the, the best stuff. But, but what does Daniel and his friends do? They determine in their mind, it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, that they are determined not to eat of the king's table. And so Daniel and his friends, they choose to continue to follow God. Well, as we kind of progress in Daniel chapter 2, we see more, but now it's not just talking about food. We begin to see this life and death struggle that Daniel and his friends experience. And from this chapter, we're going to look at, at about half this chapter, and then we're going to kind of skip down to the very bottom, because really and truly, it is at the end of this chapter that I got really excited because I've read this chapter a hundred times, but it was at the end of this chapter that I said, you know what? I've never done this before. And so let's look here in Daniel chapter two, starting in verse one, it says this, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Now, real quick, let's just clarify some timing on this. If you go back to Daniel chapter 1, you, say, you see in the third year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Here we see in the second year of his reign. And so there might be some questions on, okay, so which, which year is it? And there's some kind of different thoughts on this. Um, and I just kind of want to point those out just to kind of keep the, bless you, to kind of keep the confusion around. But there are some that think that when Daniel was taken, he progressed so quickly and grew so quickly and God blessed him so quickly that it was in the second year that Daniel was taken out that he was already in the king's court. There are some that think that. Then there are others that think that it was in the fifth or sixth year while Daniel was in there, okay, and being indoctrinated, that he had already completed his education, and then he was uh, 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 now serving in the king's court. So they're, they're trying to think that, hey, maybe it was uh, his, his second year, Daniel's second year in serving the king after being trained for for three years, then there are some that believe that it is referring to the reign that King Nebuchadnezzar had over Egypt after he conquered Egypt, which would be roughly about the 36th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Now, we could get bogged down in all the details. Here is the important thing to know, is that it is at this time that Daniel is now serving in the king's court. That is what is important to draw from is that Daniel and his friends, they are considered to be part 
of King Nebuchadnezzar's court. <clears throat> and we see that the king had a dream. And then in verse 2 it says this, So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Have you ever woken up from a dream, from sleeping, and you just go, man, I did not like that dream. How many of y'all are with me on that? You just go, ooh, man, that kind of, you know, have you ever woken up from a dream and you're mad at your wife? <laughs> have you done that? I did that uh, about last year sometime. I remember I woke up and she went, how'd you sleep? I said, I don't know, but I am really mad at you and I have no clue why. Okay. There are times when we wake up from, oh gosh, I'm not going to get in there. <laughs> I love this group, man. Y'all just talk back. I love it. So now you threw me off, Kirk. Thank you very much. So he woke up and he's having trouble. Okay. And so he calls his guys in and he says, hey, listen, I've had a dream and it troubles me. If you see there in verse three, I've had a dream that troubles me. Then the astrologers answered the king in verse four. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it for you. Now understand, this is pretty standard operating procedure, okay? I had a dream, it troubles me. So what do the astrologers, the magicians, all these guys, they come in and they say, well, king, tell us the dream. We see this happen back in Genesis. When Joseph was before the king, Joseph went before the king and said, hey, listen, just tell me your dream. Okay, the king told him his dream. Pharaoh told him his dream. He went back, prayed about it. God revealed the mysteries of that dream to him. And then he went back and he told Pharaoh. Okay, this is pretty standard operating procedure here. King tells the dream. Okay, king tells the dream. And then all of his men, all of his wise men, proceed to interpret that dream. But it says this. Um... The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. The king is so troubled we see there in verse 3. He is so troubled about this dream. He is so uh, disheartened by this dream. This dream is racking his nerves. And he doesn't know. It's probably scary, so scary to him that he doesn't even want to talk about it. So he says, hey, listen, I want you guys to experience what I saw. I want you to be able to explain the dream to me. Okay, tell me my dream. And then on top of that, I want you to Explain it to me. As we read in verse 7 through 10, we'll find out that they kind of go back and forth between king tell us the dream and the king says, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I want you to figure it out. But here's what we get from this first thought is what you believe will be put to the test at some point in time. 
Gentlemen, what you believe will be put to the test at some point in time. And the king is putting everyone to the test. He has called all of his visors in and he said, hey, listen, you are on notice. Tell me what was my dream and then interpret it or you will be put to death. Our faith at some point in time, if it has not already been tested, your faith will be tested. There will be something that comes up in your life. It could be family. It could be job. It could be friends. I don't know what it is, but it will be put to test and people will call you. And all of a sudden they'll say, hey, listen, what you really believe, what you truly believe is that. Is that really the truth? Because here's what the king is saying. You believe in all of these gods. You have access to all of this information. You can go to these gods that we worship and they should be able to tell us what's going on. And so you say you truly believe. You say that these gods are leading us in the proper way. So I want you to go to them and I want you to consult them and find out what my dream is and interpret it. And guess what? These astrologers are going, oh, hold on now, King. Hold on. Their faith was tested. Guess what? Our faith is going to be tested. Daniel's faith is getting ready to be tested. I like what 1 Peter 1, 6 through uh, uh, 7 says. It says, and all you uh, or in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What is the point of all these trials? What is the point of all these tribulations? So that Jesus Christ can be revealed. So that God can show up. Tell you what happened uh, here uh, Sunday night. In the midst of tragedy, God showed up. In the midst of tragedy, where did people turn? People turned to Jesus Christ. People came to church. John Mark gave the message. And he gave a message of hope. Yes, in the midst of tragedy, there is sadness, there is sorrow. But in the end, there is hope. Tell you what, I'm just going to kind of, kind of tell you this uh, because it, this is starting to be released now. It, it became official. But one of the families that was affected is a Prestonwood Christian Academy family. You all know that? If you didn't, now you know. Um, it's uh, the kindergartner went to PCA. My kids go to PCA. And the kindergartner that survived went to PCA. His little brother, who's three, he was a victim. His mom and dad were victims. So you have this five-year-old that's in, in kindergarten that's lost his little brother, his mom, and his dad 
and he's in ICU right now. And um, I got the privilege of, of calling um, some guys at the school, and we were able to talk, and I said, well, what does this kid need? And he said, well, he said, we actually have a little bit of good news. So well, what's the good news? He said, good news is, is an aunt has stepped up to help. He said, but not only that, he said, they were active and faithful members in their church. And you know what I said? Is I said, you know what? There's going to be a day, and it's not today, but there will be a day when I will meet them in heaven. There will be a day. There's a glimmer of hope right there. That, hey, listen, even in the midst of tragedy, we know where this family is. We know that this family is in heaven, praising and worshiping Jesus Christ right now. So while we might miss them here, and we may not even know them, and our hearts are saddened, we know that their future has been secured through Jesus Christ. Guess what? Our faith is going to be tested. Our faith is going to be put on trial. If you look there in verse 11, what does it say? What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. The astrologers are sitting there and they're just saying, hey, listen, we can't, we can't interpret this. The gods that we go to, they don't live here. on. They don't know. That's what they're basically saying is they don't know. There were nine main Babylonian deities. They were Ishtar, Nabu, um, uh, Asu, uh, Shamash, E, uh, Tamat, Nagal, Murdoch, and Adad. Murdoch is the main Mesopotamian god, um, and he is the chief god there in Babylon. He is the national god of Babylonian, so he is kind of the god of, of all the other gods, okay? And Eventually, his name got changed to Beal, which means Lord. And if you remember, Daniel and his friends, when they moved into Babylon, they were completely immersed and they were so immersed that their Hebrew names got changed to Babylonian names. And John Mark went through this. And let me just remind you, Daniel, his name in Hebrew means God is my judge. It was changed to Belshazzar which means Beal will protect. Hananiah means God has been gracious in Hebrew. His name was changed to Shadrach, which simply means inspired uh, of Aku. Okay, inspired of Kaku, which Aku, which simply means the devil or ghost or spirit. <laughs> then you have Mishael, whose name in Hebrew means who is what God is, was changed to Meshach, which means belonging to Aku, which means belonging to the devil or the ghost or the spirit. And then you have Azariah, who means God has helped, was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nabu. And Nabu is the patron god of vegetation and art and writing. And so these astrologers, they don't know. They don't know, and they are scared. 
When you look there in verse 12, it says, This made the king angry and was furious, and he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So a decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Verse 14, Then uh, Arach, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. The king's guard showed up. All right. Get on your knees. Get ready. Death is coming. And what does Daniel say? Whoa, whoa. Hold on now. Just, just wait a second. Verse 15, he asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arach then explained the matter to Daniel. So Daniel doesn't even know what's going on. He just knows that the king's guard shows up ready to put them to death. And then verse 16, at this time, Daniel went to the king and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Here's the second thought from today. That's this. Be a part of the solution, not the confusion. Be a part of the solution, not part of the confusion. Now you have to understand that there's mass confusion going on right now because the King's Guard is starting to kick in doors. They're starting to drag people out. And let's be honest, the King is going through a pretty tough time. Okay. He is mentally, he's struggling. Psychologically, he's struggling. He has had a dream that has so rattled him that he is ready to put to death all of his advisors if they can't do what he wants them to do. Now, let me just kind of ask this question. The king really isn't thinking clearly because if he puts to, de to death all of his advisors, who's going to advise the king? Who's going to know what's going on? How are people going to know what to tell the king? What are even people, are people even going to be brave enough to talk to the king after he has done this? Man, I don't know. So really and truly, confusion can just go across the whole kingdom. The king put to death all of his advisors. Who is advising the king? What is he going to do now? Everything weighs on his shoulders and on his shoulders alone, and he can't do it all. He doesn't know everything that is going on. Daniel knows that this is not good for the king. In addition, Daniel is part of the king's court. And so guess what? Daniel is a part of those that are going to pay the consequences. Daniel is a part of those who are going to suffer. Daniel knows at the end of the day, this is not good for him. This is not good for his friends. This is not good for all the other advisors. This is not good for the king himself. He says, hey, listen, if this happens, there's going to be confusion across the whole kingdom. Everybody stop. And so what does he do? He goes to the king. He says, king, put a stay on your order. Just tell your guards to hold off and give me just a little bit of time. It seems like when we are faced with tragedy, everyone around us just all of a sudden gets confused or they just react and they don't think they just begin to do 
And they don't think about their actions. I'm sure all these advisors are running. They're grabbing their family saying, hey, let's hit the road. Let's get out of here. Let's try and sneak out. There's a little exodus from the king's palace. Everyone's trying to get out. What does Daniel do? Daniel says, hey, king, let's stop. Let's take a breath. Just give me a little bit of time and let me consult my God. I like what Romans 14, 19 says. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. In the midst of all the chaos, whether it be at home, whether it be at the office, I don't know, it could even be on the ball field. Man, take a breath. Take a deep breath and say, okay, let's... Everybody just step back because the more we kind of get all riled up, the more confusing things are going to be. And instead, let's bring peace to the situation because once we can bring peace to the situation, then we can begin to think logically. Then we, begin, we can begin to start outlining steps. Then we can take a little time and go before God. What does Daniel say? He says, King, give me just a little bit of time. Let me go before God. I like what 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Let me tell you this. Every time there is confusion, every time there is disorder, that is not of God. Don't with me on that? Every time there is disorder, every time there is confusion, that is not of God. God is a God of order. God is a God of peace. What does Daniel say? Hey, listen, my God is a God of order. My God is a God of peace. Everybody just calm down. Everybody take a breath and let me just consult God. And then look at what it says in verse 17. This is great. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends may not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Look at this. When men pray together, God does something. When men pray together, God does something. What does Daniel do? He goes back home and he tells his friends. He says, hey, listen. Guys, we need to get together. I don't know which translation you're using. It could say that Daniel urged them to pray and fast. Here is the point. Daniel says, guys, we are in trouble. And when we are in trouble, guess what? We need to turn to God. He says in verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the Lord. He urged them to plead for mercy from the Lord. Notice he didn't say, hey guys, we need to pray about this particular situation. We need to pray about, hey God, tell us the answers. He said, man, go to God and plead for mercy. When was the last time you went to God, man, and you just said, God, I need your mercy? You put all the requests aside. You might be going through a situation right now and you're seeking the answer. Stop seeking the answer and just say, God, I need your mercy right here, right now. God, I need a little forgiveness. God, I need some help. But at this time, I am begging just simply that you would show and provide me with just a little bit of mercy. Daniel says, go to God with me and plead and beg for him for mercy. 
And not only do I, am I asking you to do this, but I'm asking all of you and me included, all of us, we are going to go to God and we are going to beg Him for mercy. You know, there's a lot of things God can do with a group of praying men. Know that? There are a lot of things God can do with a group of praying men. I pray that this church is a church of prayer and it starts right here with this group. You want to see God do something great? Guys, start praying together. You want to see God move? Start praying together. Are you going through a tough situation right now? Get a group of two, three, four guys and begin to pray together and see what God does. I like what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And what does it say? And I will heal their land. But look, it is if my people, that is plural. It is not if my individual... It is if my people jump to 2 Corinthians 1.11, you also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of who? Not of an individual, but of many. There is power in prayer but if you want a tidal wave of God's mercy, if you want a tidal wave of God's grace, then gather a group of men together, get on your knees and begin to pray and say, God, we need your mercy. God, we need you. Guys, find a couple other dudes to pray with. Find a couple other dudes that you can get together, that you can get on your knees, that you can come before God, I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said this, and I quote, It is in fact the most normal thing in the common Christian life to pray together. It is normal for us, and it should be normal for us to pray together. If you look here at the end of verse 19, it says, Then Daniel praised God of heaven, and he said... For we see that God revealed to them and revealed to him the mystery of the prayer. And here's what it says. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises other up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells. With him, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Take time just to thank God for his mercy. Daniel goes with his friends and said, God, we plead for mercy for you. God answers the prayer. He reveals the dream. He reveals what it means. And then what does Daniel do? Daniel says, man, God, thank you. He doesn't just go running straight to the king, but rather he takes a moment. He takes some time and says, God, thank you for your mercy. We ask God for mercy. Man, let's make sure and thank him for it, right? Let's make sure and thank, you, thank him for it. 
Say, man, God, thank you for revealing this. Psalm 118.21, I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. Man, I thank you, God. So if you see there, Daniel thanks God and then he goes to the king and he tells the king his dream. And if you read there uh, in verses uh, 24 through, through 46, you see the dream is you know, the golden head, and then you have the bronze chest, and then, you know, the, 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 the iron legs, and then the feet made of clay and, and iron mixed together. A big rock is carved out, and it goes down. Daniel goes through, and he explains what the king dreamt. And then he explains what the meaning of that dream is. But then look at what happens. And this is kind of the part I really got excited about, about this story. And I don't think it's talked about very much. And it says this, the king said to Daniel in verse 47, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. And then verse 49, moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel remain, himself remained at the royal court. Here's the fifth and final thought as we close out, is don't forget about those who pray with you and stand beside you. Don't forget about those that pray with you and stand beside you. Make sure you take care of the guys that you're on your knees with. You ever thought about that? I was just thinking about this. How many times do we walk into our life groups and we ask for prayer requests, right? Are y'all with me on this? Y'all ever do that? And you sit there and you listen to all these prayer requests. When was the last time you came back and said, guys, we are not having life group right now. I brought a buffet breakfast in because God answered prayer. And it's because of all of you praying that this happened. And guess what? We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. If you look what Daniel did, Daniel, he got the credit, right? But Daniel didn't forget those who were with him on their knees praying with him. So when Daniel was promoted, look at this. His friends were promoted as well. He made sure that those who prayed with him also succeeded. Have you ever thought about that? Do we help those that stand beside us in the fire when they need help? Do we reward those? Do we help those? When was the last time you just said, hey, listen, thank you for praying with me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for walking with me. Can I take you to lunch? When was the last time you said, you know what? There's a job opening. I know you need a job. You've been praying with me. You've been going with me. Why don't you come over here and work with me? You know what I love about this is that Daniel didn't just move on. He didn't just forget those men that he prayed with. Rather, he brought them with him where he went. You know what he did? He's put them up in provinces. He put him in charge of big, great areas. And so guess what? That makes it easier for him to rule. That makes it easier for him 
to negotiate and navigate. You know why? Because he has friends that he knows he can trust and depend on because they trust in God just like he does. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you. Man, if you have a group of men that you go to, that you pray with, man, make sure you, you bring them along in the success. You ever thought about that? I just want to encourage you. Next time you all have prayer requests in your life group and God answers a prayer, do something for those that get on their knees and help you and pray for you as well. Man, uh, I never thought about this. And I read this. And there was this dude that popped in my mind. And I was like, you know, he has prayed for me. He has walked beside me. And yes, we're, we are friends. Yes, we, we do stuff together. But, but you know what? I've never just taken him out and said, hey, man, I just, I want to take you out to the, to the bed. I want to take you to Fogo de Chow. We're just going to sit down and we're going to eat because of all the times you've been praying for me. And I can't offer him a job. I can't do, but I tell you, there's, there's one thing I can do. I can take you to lunch. I can take you to dinner. I can take care of you and your family. I can help you. What can I do to just simply say, thank you, man, for walking with me through the fire. Guys, I think this is a great, uh, I thought that it impacted my heart. It impacted my life. And it made me look around and say, man, who are the guys that are praying with me, that are walking with me through situations? I need to be able to turn to them. Not only just say thank you, not only just say praise God, but then say, hey, why don't you enjoy the success with me? That's what Daniel does. He says, hey, enjoy the success with me because it's not just me. Daniel wasn't, was not the only one that chose to pray. He went back and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you guys need to pray with me. And guess what all those guys did? They prayed. And so kind of as we close out, if there are some of you here that maybe, man, there's something going on in your heart and your life. I don't know what it is. I'd encourage you right there at the table. That's a good group to start with. If you don't know anybody here, that's a good group to start with, to begin to pray. And when God, and when you see God answer prayer, don't forget, don't forget them. Don't keep on just going through life, but rather stop and say, hey, listen, why don't you enjoy the success with me? Because it is not just my success, but rather it is God's success. And so let's celebrate that together in some way some shape or some form. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. As we go our separate ways, God, may you, um, may you grant us wisdom. May you grant us provision. God, may you grant us uh, a peace and a calm in our workplace. God, may, uh, may each man here be salt and light in this dark and confusing world. God, may we be the men that stand in the gap with our families, with our jobs, God, with what's going on on Saturday afternoon, Friday night. God, may we be the leaders that you've called us to be. Father, if there is a man here that needs a group around him, Father, I pray that you would begin to, to draw that group together so that each man here would have others he could pray with and go to you with. 
Father, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. And thank you that we could come here today. Be with us as we leave and as we come back and keep us safe. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. We hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.